hey, it's good to see you guys. We've got, uh, we've, we've got quite a few uh, moving pieces this morning at our church. We've got people who are sick and quarantined. We've got people who are snowed in. We've got people who are out of town. And so this morning is going to be a, uh, it's going to be a doozy. So um, stay on your toes. Don't, don't get caught on your heels because I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen this morning. Um, as we said in my hometown, this one uh, in uh, small town Iowa, this is going to be a hoot nanny. So um, on your toes, not on your heels. Let's see what God's going to do. Um, one of the reasons why this is just going to be a fun next 15 or 20 minutes is because um, Luke Snowden, one of our pastors, was originally scheduled to preach this morning on uh, Romans chapter 11. We got a phone call from Luke this morning. Uh, he used his his last lifeline to phone in a friend. And uh, he told us that he woke up with a splitting migraine this morning. So he's at home uh, resting up and apparently I'm preaching. And, um, <laughs> and uh, this, is, this is why my church planting coach told me, Cole, you've, uh, you've always got to have a back pocket sermon ready. And um, as a 25-year-old church planting apprentice, I didn't listen to him. So I, I don't have a back pocket sermon for you. Um, and so you're just stuck with my 9 a.m. thoughts this morning. Um, or, maybe, uh, or maybe God will speak and melt your face off this morning. Because what, what are we doing here if, if we think that the only way that the Holy Spirit can speak is through eight hours of prep, you know? Love my eight hours of prep. Love them but let's see what the Lord can do with eight minutes of prep. So pray with me. And what we're going to do is, hi, sweetheart. It's good to see you too. Uh, we're just going to do a quick flyby over the book of Romans. It's going to be the skim milk version. Um, I think Luke's got a banger of a sermon for Romans 11, so I'm not even going to attempt to touch that. What I want to do is I just want to give us a, a, a big flyby of Romans 1 through 10, and we'll see what else happens. So pray with me, and then we're just going to jump into it. Uh, Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit would be with us this morning and that he would wake us up. I pray that your Holy Spirit would wake me up. I live so much of my life deaf dumb and ignorant to all of the work of God that's happening inside of my heart. And I want to be awake to it all, Lord. I want to feel everything you're doing in my life. I want to feel the hands of the potter on the clay. I want to be alive to the glory of the love of Jesus in my life. And so I don't want to walk through my life sleepwalking. Lord, what a grace it would be if you woke these people, if you woke this church up this morning. So we ask that you would do that in the precious name of Jesus, who we love. Amen. Uh, So we've been in the book of Romans for a while now. 
Um, we took a quick break for our Advent sermon series for, you know, four or five weeks or whatever that was. And uh, now we're back in the book of Romans. So what I want to do really quickly before I give us kind of that overview that I was talking about is as we start wading back into the deeps of Romans, um, let me just remind us of a couple basic truths and principles we need to know about the book of Romans. For instance, a lot of Christian scholars, like you guys can see in the way that we've titled our sermon series, a lot of Christian scholars have referred to Romans as the greatest letter ever written. That's important. It's important to realize that Romans is a letter. It's not at its root an essay. It's not abstract theology. It's not detached theology at its root. It is a letter written by a real bro named Paul, and it's written for real churches that are taking root and popping up everywhere in ancient Rome. And so one of the main there's a ton of reasons why the book of Romans is just blisteringly brilliant. But one of the reasons why it's so brilliant and uh, one of the reasons why the book of Romans cuts so deep and explores depths of truth that otherwise just have never been achieved by the human mind is because Paul is guided by the Holy Spirit as he's writing this letter. And also Paul has his work cut out for him. The reason why Paul has his work cut out for him is that he's writing real churches in real places filled with real people who are going through real problems. In these churches in Rome, there's maybe five or six of them, we're not sure, when Paul writes the book of Romans. Each are about 30 people or so in size. But these churches in Rome, um, they're not homogenous churches. That's the challenge of Romans. That's why Romans is so deep and wide in all of its theology and truth. They're not homogenous churches. They are churches of diverse people from diverse backgrounds who are all trying their best sometimes to come underneath the lordship of one king, King Jesus. And so you've got two primary groups who are trying to come together and worship Jesus together. You have Jewish people in these Roman churches and they're like the church kids, right? Think Stephen Kerr on this one. A, a good old golden boy who grew up in church. You got these Jewish people, they have this long inheritance and tradition of worshiping and ordering their lives around the one true God of the universe. These are your basic, I don't drink, I don't chew, and I don't date girls that do, Christians right here, right? There's this Jewish crowd, well-behaved in these churches. Um, but then you've got the Roman Gentiles, and uh, these people are not the church kids, not the church kids at all. These are the punks who grew up smoking in the bathroom that the church kids were warned to not hang out with while growing up. And now here they are hanging out with them, worshiping together in the same churches. But these, these Roman Gentiles, before they came underneath the lordship of Jesus, they worshiped pagan gods and Roman lords and they participated in public orgies and Jesus has saved them and he's brought them into the household of God and he's washed them clean and he's, he's knitting them together in the church, which is beautiful, amen? Um, but it also means that these Roman house churches are an absolute mess just a mess. And when I say mess, I mean like, let's, let's, let's think about remember the Titans. That's what's going on right here. Like that football team and remember the Titans. You've got a black football team who's trying to integrate into a white football team and they can't even seem to run a single football play because all of their cultural differences are so big that the only thing that dwarfs the size of their cultural differences is the size of their pride in their backgrounds, right? They don't like what the other team eats. You can't eat that and still gather with us. They don't like the way that the other team dresses. 
They don't like their backgrounds. They don't respect one another. And so they're gathering together to worship King Jesus in Rome, and it's a mess. Paul has his work cut out for him. And so for 10 chapters, Paul has been reminding and reminding and reminding these churches of the gospel over and over and over again in these first 10 chapters, Paul has been reminding these Roman churches about the work of God in their lives. Why? Why? So, I mean, why is this just full of God is doing this and God is doing that and God is doing this and all of the work of God? Why is there so much of, here's what God is doing in your life. And the reason why is because you, you're asleep to it most of your life. Um, a couple months ago, uh, Donna Fro, <laughs> your, your parents were flying into town and uh, you, needed, you were working that day and so you needed somebody to go pick up your parents. And I was like, oh, I've got questions. I'm your man. And so <laughs> uh, let, me, let me pick him up. And so uh, the day came around to pick up Joseph Donifro's parents um, from, from the airport. And uh, I was like, I need my little compañero with me. And so I grabbed Russell and we jumped in the car together. He's gonna be my buddy who helps me get some of my work done and some of my chores done. And so Russell and I, we, uh, we drove to go pick up the Donifro's from the airport. And I was like, hey buddy, when, when Joseph's parents get in here, um, or as you call them, Joe Fish, when Joe Fisher's parents get in here, man, um, ask them how their day is. Ask them a couple questions, but we're just going to talk to them and we'll make sure they get back to Joseph. And he's like, okay, yeah, got it. I can, I can do that, dad. That's, that's a role I can take on. And so we're driving to the airport, which is like 15, you know, it's like a 15 minute drive. And uh, before we even get to the airport, Russell conks out. Turns out I'm not, you know, as engaging of an order as sometimes I think. Um, and so Russell's, he's, he's asleep in the back in his chair and, uh, we pull up to the airport and he just sleeps and, uh, Joseph's parents, they get in and, uh, it gives me like 15 minutes to, to just chat with, uh, Joseph's parents, which was great. We covered a lot of ground. We, I mean, we talked about Auburn football. I pretended to be interested in the SEC. Um, not a big fan of that conference. Uh, whatever. I pretended to, you know, care about that. How's the Auburn season going? Well, you know, it's kind of disappointing, but you know, Bo Nix left, so there you go. I was like, oh, that's, that's great. Um, but, you know, I had other questions like, what do you do for a living? How's that going? Um, I had other questions about Joseph. I was like, I got questions about this dude. Um, one of the questions I asked was, when did you guys know that this dude was like called to be a worship leader? And it was awesome. His mom said that when Joseph was like two years old in the back seat of the car, he would sing along to the songs in tune. I can't even do that now. She was like, that, that, that's what I, and that was, I was like, man, that is an awesome story. And then I dropped off the parents, you know, I said, hey, it's nice to, you know, hang out with you guys. And we drove all the way back to the Dyke household after that chore and uh, put it in park, you know, Russell kind of woke up and uh, I took him out of the car and we were walking back inside. And uh, before we got inside, Russell goes, shoot. I was like, what? He goes, shoot. I was like, what? And he says, we forgot to pick those people up. <laughs> and I was like, no, you did, buddy. We, we picked him up. I, we covered a ton of ground. I got to know, we talked about Auburn football. I heard some stories about Joseph growing up. You slept through the whole thing, buddy. And he goes, oh, darn it. 
And uh, it's, you know, it's kind of a funny story, and it's also telling about human nature. It turns out that to be human means you have the capacity to sleep through a lot of things. And that story forces us to ask ourselves, <laughs> yes, I can see that about you, Lance. <laughs> and that, that story forces us to ask ourselves, while God is at the wheel, what am I sleeping through right now? And the way that the book of Romans function, it functions as a wake-up call to these churches in Rome. Wake up to the work of God in your life. Stop dividing and splitting over tertiary issues. Wake up to the work of Christ. Wake up to what you're blind towards. Wake up towards what you're deaf towards. Wake up. And so as we look at these first 10 chapters, I just want to tell you nine things that God is doing in your life that you may or may not be aware of. That's Paul's main goal in Romans. Romans chapter four, verse four through eight. Don't turn there. This is just going to be a snowstorm coming at you. Just let the word of God fall on your heart like salt that melts the ice of your heart. Romans 4, verses 4 through 8, God counts you as righteous. Paul says, now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks to the blessings of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. God counts you as righteous. Romans chapter six, verses two through three. God mortifies and puts to death your sin. Listen to this. By no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Are you asleep? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? God not only counts you as righteous, but God also puts to death your sin. Romans chapter eight, verse one. That got ripped out of my Bible. Um, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God not only counts you as righteous, God not only puts to death your sin, God also justifies you. Romans chapter eight, verse nine, God dwells in you. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. God prepares a new creation for you. This is Romans. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25, Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Why? Because the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. 
For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes what he sees? But if we have hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. God in this very moment is preparing the new creation for you and we wait with patience. And in Romans chapter eight, verse 28 through 30, we see that God conforms you to the image of his son. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and those whom he predestined, he called and those who he called, he also justified and those who he justified, he also glorified. God in this moment is conforming you to the image of his son, King Jesus. In Romans chapter eight, verse 34 says, God intercedes for you right now. Verse 34, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And in Romans chapter eight, verses 37 through 39, Paul says that God holds you secure. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Why? For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You're in his hands right now. And the ninth truth and the last one that I want to draw our attention to is a phenomenal one. Romans chapter nine, verses 25 through 26. God calls you his own. As indeed he says in Hosea, he's talking about Gentiles. That's all of us, I think. Those who are not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. Wake up. God counts you as righteous. God puts to death your sin. God justifies you. God dwells in you. God prepares a new creation for you. God conforms you to the image of a son. God intercedes for you. God holds you secure. God calls you his own. Why are all these promises present in the book of Romans? Why is Paul ringing the bell over and over and over again, lifting their eyes, pointing them to the work of God in their lives? Because the Roman churches are asleep in the back of the car right now. God's covering so many miles. God's doing a million things in their life and they're aware of maybe one or two of them. God's doing all this amazing work in their lives and they're just asleep to it. They've got their eyes set on tertiary differences. They're arguing over who can eat this and who can eat that and who's in and who's out and who agrees with this law and who agrees with that law. And as long as their eyes remain on the things of the world, And as long as their eyes remain focused on the things of the flesh, and as long as their eyes remain on base things, just dead in the water. But if they would wake up to this, you know, 
that would wake up to all the amazing stuff that God is doing in their lives, then they would become a force for joy in Rome. And they do. And what a sweet reminder this is for us this morning. Especially in the climate we're in socially, spiritually, religiously, politically, blah, 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 blah. You get what I'm talking about. Maybe we're asleep to the work of God in our lives because of all of this. Maybe we just like, maybe Frontier is going to be known as loving our tertiary issues. Who's in and who's out? Who's the same and who's different? Who eats this and who eats that? Who agrees with this article or who agrees with that article? And let's make a line through what God has joined together and just separate it. And if we remain focused on these base issues during this season, Frontier's dead in the water. But I know you guys. And I don't think that's who we are. And so as long as, we continue, as long as we can just continue to lift our eyes, wake up to the Spirit, and focus on the work of God in our lives as primary, then I think that we can become a force for joy in the city of Des Moines. God's doing amazing stuff in your life right now. My life right now our life right now. Wake up. Wake up. And then let's just go be a blessing to our city and glorify Jesus. So let's wake up. Amen? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, what a gift the book of Romans is to our lives. It really is, it's it's a wake up It's a wake-up call. It's a morning alarm. And I pray that none of us would hit snooze this morning. Oh, that we would just sit underneath the truths of all that the Spirit of God has done in our lives. Oh, that we would just sit under the truth of all that the Son has accomplished for us. And oh, that we would just sit underneath the truths of all that the Father has planned for us if we would bring our lives underneath the lordship of God and fix our eyes on the amazing things that he's doing in our lives, then we really could become the city's most joyful church. And that is worth giving our lives to. Wake us up this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Living in that 20 20-